Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome you to Crown Corner on WFNZ's Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube's. Happy April the 6th to you and yours, and welcome into week number seven of Charlotte Football Club as we get ready to see Atlanta United for the return engagement in Charlotte. Good morning, Jess. How are you? Hanging in there, Will. Hanging in there. A little bit of a different feeling from the last two Crown Corners, obviously. Not coming off a victory this week, but... We will find the positives, I'm sure. And the best thing about MLS is week in, week out, you get another game to recover from and sort of move on and refocus and another chance to go out there and battle for three points. We're looking forward to seeing the fans back out there at Bank of America Stadium this week. We will do as best we can to rewind and recap what we saw in Philadelphia. A strange match, to be sure, Jess, just because I do feel like this was the best side that we have seen at least put together I know that they were down a couple of players no Alejandro Bedoya but the best part about their system is that they're able to plug and play and the way that they have I mean they've built what we want to build they've built the system they've built the philosophy and they stick to it and they impose their will and force you to to do different things and go outside of your comfort zone and unfortunately there were times where Charlotte FC were very much out of their comfort zone on Saturday night I think you can say it's the best side in terms of the organization, in terms of the way that they know how they want to play. The most frustrating side would be the ideal word to use though, right? It wasn't necessarily the prettiest soccer that they play. They don't like to have the ball, but what they're really good at is winning those duels in dangerous areas, in creating a really difficult environment to play against. And I'll tell you this, Will, I like the way Charlotte FC plays aesthetically more. I think we play a more enjoyable soccer. But unfortunately, what Philadelphia is able to do is play an effective soccer, even if it's not uh, the most desirable to watch or play against. They know exactly what they're doing, and they were a very difficult opponent to play against. Yeah, it's 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 odd because I think we had people kind of bracing us for the ugly brand of soccer that they play. I mean, I, I say ugly. I, I don't mean that in the pejorative sense, but it's so, so much about the way that they've built this side is that it was important to them how it looked. And I do feel like we've built, like I said, a side that that is pretty when executed well. The problem is it contrasts directly with what Philadelphia wants to do. And we did make the observation and Miguel and Ramirez even made so in his postgame comments, which we'll play for you in a second, that, you know, they tried very hard the way that they form the way they lined up formationally to try and counter that with a bit more of a defensive look. They put five at the back 
And the thing that we said in the broadcast was, you know, why mess with what's working? You had a 4-4-2 that had brought a lot of offensive prowess through the last two contests. And they went away from that. They were not able to get Karol Svidersky, the, the type of service he was accustomed to. It was something that I do feel like, you know, they went back to in the second half, which I'm glad they did. But at the same time, I think they put themselves behind the eight ball with the way they started that game. Definitely will. It's one of those where you understand most teams will look at the opponent and make some adjustments, but it felt like we went out there and almost respected the union a little bit too much. We respected them so much by showing that we were concerned about the way that they were going to play that we decided to change our formation completely, change and remove components from the team that had been very effective. What, again, I will praise Miguel and Hal Ramirez endlessly for, though, is his willingness to understand, okay, perhaps... This wasn't the right formation. Perhaps we're missing some very important opponents. You bring on Rios at halftime to try and help us involved more. And at the end of the day, it's a new side. We are doing our best to learn and adjust. And I think that when we face Philly in the future, perhaps you don't make those such huge decisions to change the way you play based on the opponent. Because at the end of the day, you've got to focus on yourself first and bring your A game, no matter who you're facing. Miguel Angel Ramirez speaking after the match on Saturday, saying that while it wasn't a victory, he does feel like there were lessons learned and probably one of the best offensive runs of play that they had to this point in the season. No, sad and frustrating because I believe that we deserve a little bit more. And we were, in a way, lucky in the, in the way that we concede the goals and too early in, in each half. Uh, even more the second goal that uh, reduced our options to to get something positive. It was not the best, one of the best with ball. We were able to to find the spaces, to find the advantages, to progress, to arrive to the opponent half, to arrive to the last third. So, uh, yeah, in this way, I'm, I'm very happy with the, with the performance. Look, well, I think it's interesting that he mentions the fact you can see two early goals. That's what we repeated time and time again in the broadcast, that it's a slight lapse in concentration, perhaps not coming out of the break completely switched on. The hardest goal, though, is the second goal. Obviously, an uncharacteristic error from Christian Kalina. Um, he's stood on his head, you know, in goalkeeper union, but a goalkeeper of his caliber doesn't want to make mistakes like that. And it's a game-changing goal. What did we say my keys to the match were going in the second half? It was do not concede. Keep this one within touching distance. With a 1-0 scoreline, all it takes is one opportunity to be created and you're back into it. Unfortunately, once we conceded that second goal, it, it was a lot of a larger mountain that we needed to climb. Yeah, the one thing I did like is that they did, you know, throw all the darts at the board that they could possibly put in. They, at one point, they basically had every forward they had at their disposal in the game at any point. They had Jordi Reyna in there playing a, a hybrid midfield. They had Rios in there. They had Tito Ortiz. They, they had a lot of opportunities. And, you know, people were saying, oh, well, you know, were those opportunities created because Philadelphia parked the bus and we actually had sustained possession? I, I do believe that there were some ingenious runs uh, in that game and, and there were opportunities. I know Ben Bender had the one that went off the side of the cage that I almost thought was a goal. Really but close. They, 
there there were a couple of others, but I, I do feel like it was a growth experience for a couple of players. You know, Ben Bender probably had his toughest match as a professional. Uh, Jordi Alcivar, who we had really come to like his play over the previous two contests, had a rough go of it. We mentioned the fact that Svidersky just seemed a, a little bit lost out there without a partner. It looked a little bit better once they put Danny Rios in at halftime, but it, it was something where I feel like a lot of that offensive momentum got very much grounded by just the inability to get the ball out of their own half. Definitely will. And look, Miguel Howe Ramirez said it. We've said it. Consistency is the real mark of when this team is successful. And, you know, I love that sound, belt, uh, sound bite from Ramirez when he talked about the difference between your best and worst day, right? And I know he was positive in that quote about the, the match against the Union, but I have to say it was probably one of the most frustrating performances that we've had the opportunity to call. So if that is, quote unquote, our worst day, look at what we're going to find with our best day and look at how we're going to keep improving. And I think that we learned a lot of lessons from this match, and that's the most important thing. And it was probably a bit of a, a sobering moment for some of these players. You know, Ben Bender's been absolutely incredible, and that's not to get on his back. He's been amazing, an incredible rookie. But against Philadelphia Union, he struggled a little bit. And that's a good moment sometimes, because if you find it too easy, you can get complacent. You can get into the position where you think, OK, well, I've made this adjustment. I'm, I'm well and good. I'm going to be fine. Well, having these moments where you can have a little bit of a struggle are good for you because they're a reminder that I have to keep grinding. I'm going to come up against tough competition. I'm going to be in battles. And this is what I want to do. I want to improve in every match I play. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, the best thing about MLS is we get back on the road, well, at home, but we get back on the wagon, able to prepare for Atlanta United on Sunday. So you can kind of forget about those moments. You can learn from them. You can let it go. And now you can move on and focus on the next opponent. And it's an Atlanta United side that we down three, possibly four starters going into this weekend, including possibly Joseph Martinez, who has been dealing with a knee injury. So uh, you're definitely catching Atlanta at the right time. Uh, here's a little bit from what uh, the captain, Christian Fuchs, had to say about the adjustments made at halftime and how this group tries to adjust going forward. They put a lot of pressure on our on our back line, forced us further back that, than we wanted. Again, I think the, the change in the system uh, to a back force that can have definitely provide us with more men central to, to control the midfield a little bit better and uh, to, to keep the keep better possession. The second goal, we scored ourselves. Um, it's what we asked to do, to play out from the back. It worked It worked fine uh, up, until, up until that moment. And it's something that you should not worry too much about it because... It's hopefully a fluke, and uh, we we move on from that. But overall, again, the, the desire of the players to, to keep running until the very end, to create chances until the end, to then, on the other side, force them back on, onto the back foot was there. And that's that's the minimum we, we can expect when you come to a, to a tough opponent like, like Philly. And it's so true, Will. They did keep fighting till the end. They never gave up. It can be easy to go 2-0 down and think that, oh, this is it, we're, we're doomed, it's only going to get worse. But they seem to truly believe in themselves that they had the opportunity to get back into it. And, and I love that fight. And the comment about the goal, you know, it is a fluke. At the end of the day, we've been playing the system for five matches in MLS and haven't seen any, any mistakes like that, really. We've had a couple of close calls, but these moments as a goalkeeper, and I can speak from experience, are the ones that wake you up. They're the ones that, you know, let's be real, Christian Kalina has been almost faultless during the season. This is a moment that, again, kind of reins you in a little bit. It's natural to get 
confident, to feel good. And sometimes it's okay to have those moments where you put your hands up, you realize you made a mistake. And guess what? He's going to be more focused than ever when it comes against Atlanta United. And my hope to see in this playing out the back is that we still have those moments where we understand the preferred way to play is out the back. But if I'm under undue pressure, then I'm also confident with putting that 50-50 ball long and trying to have my midfielders win in that duel. And I'm not worried about the Kalina goal because it came in a 2-0 in a defeat. If it was like a 2-1 defeat and that was the game-winning goal, oh. I think it would hurt it, it would hurt a lot more. I just think that was a situation where, like you said, it was a learning experience. And I do feel like uh, next time we see Philadelphia in our own building, we'll be better prepared for that. Uh, this is Crown Corner. You can follow us at WFNZ on Facebook and Twitter, as well as on YouTube and Twitch. You can follow myself at Willie P Style and follow Jess at Jess Talks Footy. You can respond to Jess's question post on Twitter, or you can respond on Facebook or YouTube or which and uh, you can give us your questions for us that'll be answered in the final segment of Matt's burning questions. We would uh, like to talk anything you want to about Charlotte FC as we get ready for Atlanta United. Now, normally in the, from the training ground segment, we usually talk to a player or somebody from the technical staff, but a special guest is gracing crown corner for the first time today. We'll hear from Charlotte FC sporting director, Zoran Cornetta right now on crown corner. Here on Crown Corner, we lose the night to go to the training ground and hear from the players and or the coaching staff. But today we have a special guest from the sporting director's department, the sporting director's office. Zoran Cornetta joins us here on Crown Corner for his first appearance with us. And he joins us as a real special guest. Zoran, thank you so much for taking some time. We know you're busy. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. So six games in, two wins, four defeats. What are your initial impressions of this side through uh, at least this early part of the season? Well, I'll say quietly confident. Uh, we expected a, a bumps on, uh, on the road, especially at the beginning. Uh, it's uh, the first few games were tough for us. The players did not really glued and gel properly, and then they still discovering about each other and. It's a hard, it's a hard first five, ten games in a for any expansion club, and then uh, we are no different from anybody else. Have there been any players in particular that have stood out to you that you've been impressed with how they performed? Maybe pleasantly surprised by the impact they've been having on the team. Well, the, clearly, the, the few players stood out because, but I think we have a fantastic group of players, and they're, they're really kind of. Uh, becoming a, a fantastic team, a, a bunch of uh, guys who are really fighting and playing for each other. But of course, you know, Kalina done really well. We obviously knew about him for some time and he, he, he was picked by, by the reason. Uh, the, the obviously, Karol Swiderski is uh, um, someone who makes a difference in any team, not only in, uh, in Major League Soccer. I think he's a fantastic player. And then uh, a few others, uh, I think Jordi Alcivar is getting there slowly. He's a... Uh, is a custom, you know, is getting is getting time to kind of accustom into move from Ecuador League, from Ecuador to USA, and then Major League Soccer. So it takes time for any player, you know. The the you see this in Europe, you see everywhere else. So um, Jordi is getting better and better. Obviously, Sergio Ruiz is getting a little bit better. You saw uh, some of the glimpses of the of the of the of the typical Sergio Ruiz in the game against uh, Philly, and uh, you know, Jalen Lindsay impressed us a lot. I mean, he's uh, 
is a player who didn't really had many minutes in Kansas City, but now with us he's doing really well. And uh, of course, uh, the, the the youngsters, you know, the the Ben Bedner uh, done really mm-hmm. well. Chris Haggard is slightly injured right now, done really well. So that's that's fantastic to see this kind of bunch of younger uh, American players coming through and 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 holding their own. I think we saw the way that this game model was going to play out just based off of the constant progression. I know we saw a little bit of it in Charleston, but it really kind of has come to fruition in the first six games uh, with the players really gravitating toward it. What were the challenges that you had to undergo from the sporting department side to, to find players who actually fit what your head coach, Miguel Angel Ramirez, wants to do? Well, it's a it's a it's a very good question. Will I, I think it's um, Miguel is very demanding in terms of uh, the type of players and pro- players profiles, and uh, it wasn't easy. Especially that um, there are a large number of uh, players in Major League Soccer that might, might fit better some other kind of uh, game models and some other playing styles. So in that respect, there was a bit of a challenge. Um, but I think. Um, you know, it's a, it's it's like a, with any club, we we trying to kind of uh, bring the players that would fit the best, and but you don't know who will fit the best until you see them play. So we, we still kind of reserve the judgment, if you like, because we, it's only six games, and we're still learning about the players, and we're still learning to see and trying to see who, which player will do how well uh, in the future. And and we, I think we have a talented bunch. We, it's a really good team. Uh, um, we said that we're going to build this team slowly and and carefully and and for the to last for for many years. So th- this was not the team built for a one half season or one season. It was built for to be, be- even better next season and 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 really really better the season number three. And and if you if you look at some of the expansion team in the recent years, they, they they change a lot of players. They they literally have every season playing like a new team. We don't mm-hmm. want to do this. We wanna we wanna have a. We want to make sure that this team is is being built on, and and uh, and the core group stays, and then we just add more quality and more more and, and better players or, or players who fit better the game model in a, in a, in a summer window in a January window again. And you mentioned the summer window. Is there anything that sort of piqued your interest? What sort of players you would be looking to add? What do you think this side may need um, in terms of when you get that opportunity to look for new additions? Yeah, I mean, this side, you know, needs needs few few extra additions, and we're working on the, on them. One of the main additions are coming this week, which is a Kamil Josviak. He got visas and got everything, so we're expecting him at the end of the week to come to town. So he's a, our second DP. Uh, there were a lot of questions about the first DP. Now, hopefully, that that that's gone away. That mm-hmm. there many. Players, uh, people questioning the Carol. So hopefully we'll we'll do the same with Camille, who is a very very interesting young player, but already a, a national team player for the for a very strong and good national team, Polish national team, national team. So I think it's a it's just a work in progress. We we, we will always be active uh, on the markets. We're still looking at the players in this this transfer window. We will definitely look in a summer transfer window. I, I won't be able to go into details, but we definitely <laughs> will be active and 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 we'll be bringing. Reinforcements. Is it your intention that Camille will be available for selection this week, or do you think that's a little bit too ambitious? I think it's a little bit too ambitious. He's just arriving probably if he's lucky Thursday. So okay. if you train with the teammates for a couple of days, I, I I wouldn't rush him. There's nothing to rush for. I mean, it's a uh, uh, the group that we have is is good enough to 
to give a good game to Atlanta and and and, and hopefully win. So uh, we'll, we'll wait for we'll 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 take slowly uh, with with Camille. Look, I think it's fair to say there've been some criticisms about this club, unfairly so. Will and I have been vouching for Charlotte FC since the start. <laughs> We have been labeled as an underdog, right? And I think there's a lot of people that have gone very suspiciously quiet with how Charlotte FC has performed and improved uh, beyond expectations. How do you feel about embracing that role of the underdog and improving people wrong? That's got to feel good, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, to, to be honest, in, it, I, I don't, I'm trying. I'm not on social media. I'm, I'm trying to read very, very little. <laughs> on my on my own work and my job and on my task ahead um, um, I think um, for every expansion club so next year St. Louis is going to be difficult uh, for us is is uh, and I'm admitting it's very difficult and I think uh, this league is getting really stronger by year every year major league soccer is getting stronger and stronger and better and better so I would say the five or six years ago expansion clubs had an easier job uh, mm-hmm. Because now we 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 having a more uh, first the league is bigger so you 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 competing you playing more games you competing with more teams but second the teams are better you 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 competing with some seriously good teams uh, every year there's a new team coming in and 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 they're getting better look at Austin now they done they they struggle a little bit at the beginning but they done the work uh, in the summer they 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 are strong team now they they're competitive they're a good team so it takes a little bit of time I think. Um, we always said at the very beginning how we're going to build this team. We we said our our, our way of building the team is a is a is a slowly. We're building blocks. We're building from the back. We we're not going to go for the for the aging superstars. We're not going to go mm-hmm. for the players that want a retirement money. We want players who are who are, are, are hungry. They want to play for this club. They want to be here. It's a big difference for the player who wants to come here because of paycheck and for and the player who wants to come here because he wants to play major league soccer and wants to be in Charlotte. So that's for us very very important um, uh, point, and and I can tell you, for example, that Karol Swiderski loves it here, enjoys here, his family is here now. Uh, so for me, that's very important because that reflects in his game. Um, if you're unhappy, if you for whatever reason you you you, you don't particularly want to be in pl- here, but you came here only for the paycheck, and and your your game would would reflect that. Mm-hmm. Zoran, I I want to ask you about. Karol Svidersky, just because we've we've seen him flourish with the two-striker model, and obviously last week against Philly, he had some issues, and even earlier in the season, he had some issues getting service, but we know what kind of a dynamic player it is. What is the challenge trying to to unlock the best version of Carroll so that you do get those moments like we saw in the two games against New England and Cincinnati? Well, I think um, I think we still trying to figure out what is the best and best way. I mean, I think, uh, as you can see, Miguel Angel, uh, a style, he, he likes to, uh, he likes to build uh, the team uh, specifically to face every opponent. So uh, while the, the team might change, the formation might change, we, the, the playing style stays the same. Most of the, it's a passing game. It's a, it's a, it's a neat passing game. We're trying to have a control and we had a lot of control more control than, than Union, for example, uh, in, in a game. But um, I think we, it's a still early days, still six games. So we're still trying to figure out uh, even formation, which player. So, for example, right now we, 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 we're discovering that, uh, that, that Daniel Rios and, and, and Carol are actually playing very well together. But um, so we, we might continue doing this. So we might 
try something else with Camille coming in and, and maybe a few other players coming in in the months to come. So it's a, it's a still very much work in progress. Uh, this team is being built to be always the best from summer on, onwards um, to kind of finish uh, strongly and to kind of be in a good position to build for the, for the, for the next season and, and to kind of uh, uh, get stronger and, and better for the next season. And flipping the page forward to this weekend, Atlanta United, we got the opportunity to obviously see them earlier on in the season, the heartbreaking 2-1 loss. We did get our first goal. What are you looking for in that match now that we're turning around and playing them at our own place? Well, I think, I think we are very confident for playing anybody at our stadium. We have fantastic fans. I must say that I'm coming from Europe um, and, and seeing the fans in Europe and being uh, in many, many stadiums with some fantastic fans Mm-hmm. Uh, I am so impressed by our fans. I mean, it's incredible. The, 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 they don't stop singing. Even even in Philly, they were singing throughout the whole 90 minutes of the game. They, we have a fantastic fans. We have a fantastic stadium. Um, we always said that we want to make a, a Bank of America stadium fortress, that whoever comes in basically is is very, very difficult to play against us. And and they more, more often than not, they, they will not uh, get any points. So... I am very confident. Uh, Atlanta is a fantastic team, being built for many years. They have some fantastic players. They invested a lot of money into their roster. But uh, I think we also have a very good team. They're getting better by by the game. So nothing to fear. Uh, no, you are a bit of a wine connoisseur, Zoran. If it, if I had my way, we'd have you on for a weekly wine segment. What, what is the best wine you've drank lately? I, I love California, and I don't know. I don't know how you know about this, but uh, that, that, that's a good I have sources. Uh, no, I have sources. I I, I, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I really like uh, California wines. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of American wines and uh, California Chardonnays and Californian uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm, I'm my my favorite, in addition to to French uh, wines from from left and west bank of Bordeaux. But uh, I'd say Silver Oak. I I had a, opened up. A bottle of Silver Oak uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa, and, and it was fantastic, amazing. I foresee a Crown Corner wine time will in our future. Mm, I think that, that may so. be something we're on to. <laughs> I'm all for it. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all for it. Well, let's hope we're popping some champagne after the end of the weekend, after a victory over Atlanta. We can make that all happen after this weekend. Zoran, uh, you're welcome back anytime you want to drop some news and drop some knowledge. We really appreciate it and uh, appreciate the build, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Silver Oak, Cabernet Sauvignon. Are already hunting for that. Oh, I think that if we ever need wine recommendations for our evening time Crown Corner, then we know the man to ask. Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be great. And uh, I like what he said, too, about wanting to create a fortress at Bank of America Stadium, because I do feel like that's something that, you know, there's a lot of angst and agitated about, you know, this and that about the, the experience and what it was going to be like. But having been there for all three home games, it is it's just it just hits different the way that they play at home. Number one and the atmosphere that we have. I mean, all all's well and good to Philadelphia. That, that was not an imposing fan atmosphere. It was eighteen thousand. It was a little dead at times, and to be brutally honest, you know, we saw empty seats about in the 70th, 75th minute there at, at Subaru Park. So we have 30,000. They're singing the entire time. It's going to be a Sunday afternoon. It's going to be 
the weather at least is not going to be too hot. I think that we are going to create a, a pretty tough atmosphere for Atlanta to play in this weekend. I think in general, every match that's at home, you want to feel like you have that home advantage. The crowd, well, you can't praise them enough with how incredible they've been. And we use the word again, the 12th player. It does give you that extra advantage when you have your fans urging you on. It gives you motivation. If you go down, I think if you concede that early goal at home, you have a different atmosphere. Your crowd just gets this extra burst behind you that pushes you even more to go and, you know, try and get back into the game. So I'm excited for all the home matches. I also think that travel in MLS has a huge difference, particularly versus the English leagues where I grew up in. When you look at our long travel games, it's four or five hours on the road. It's not four hours on a plane. So I think that that really goes into how difficult it is to travel for teams as well. Not only because you're not able to travel as many away fans, shout out to all the fans that did travel. It was great to see them and hear them away from home. But when it, you think about the difference it makes to the players and their preparation as well, when you're changing time zones, when you're getting on an airplane, when you're having to travel two, three days before, it, it all accumulates to making road games in MLS a different level of difficult. Yeah, Nick Wilson asked me that question yesterday on the radio about, you know, the difference between home and road. And and it is, it, it hits different for a lot of these players who have played in, in Europe or South America, whereas, you know, you don't travel intercontinentally the, the kind of distance that you would, say, across America. I mean, there are some of these uh, – there, there are some games on the schedule, especially the ones on the West Coast, that will start, you know, when their body clock is at 10, 1030. So if you get out there a couple of days in advance, you have to kind of rework yourself. And again, we, we, we see this in every sport in America. We see it in the NFL, baseball, and teams just try to adapt. But for these players who have never had to do it before at the, on the, in the professional level, it is a little bit different. I did want to um, focus on something real quick that was done by – our colleague Antonio Ramos on the Spanish TV side, he put together this chart. I don't know if he put it together or if he just exposed it, but I'll give him the credit duly either way about the way that Charlotte FC's progression adds up to the progression of some of these other teams. The last five years of expansion going all the way back to Atlanta United in 2017, Charlotte FC with six points through six games is right at the average of 6.4 that the teams in that time period have gone. If you get to uh, 10 games, it's around 10 or 11 with the average. And then if you get to the 15 point, it gets to uh, a little bit closer to 20. So at least in that vein, Jess, you, you look at the way that Charlotte FC has played. If they can get a positive result this weekend, that would put them well on their way to either equaling or bettering that average by the time this this first 10-game stretch is over. No, I think they've done a really good job. And as Zoran said, it gets harder. The more that you, you know, the more time that goes for expansion sides, the more difficult it gets. The league is getting more competitive. There's more teams. There's more experience. So I feel like Charlotte FC has definitely held their own will. And like you say, getting those points and staying on trend is always a good thing. And we're able to, as we mentioned to Zoran, prove a lot of people wrong. And it is amazing how the critics have silenced and how now teams are taking us more seriously, including Atlanta United, who I think had a wake-up call when they played us and were caught in a, a more of a battle than perhaps they expected at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium.
And and I love that you mentioned that with Zoran when it came to to playing Atlanta this week because I think we acquitted ourselves very very well. That's by far the toughest atmosphere they've had to play in, bar none, just because of of what they bring to the table at Mercedes-Benz Stadium week in and week out. And it was definitely turned up a little bit with uh, the advent of, of, you know, even though they don't want to call it a rivalry, I think it is a rivalry for the fans because... Trainee McTrain face showed that it's a, that they're yeah, trying that to play sad, into the sad. rivalry. Let's be honest. Say, Dar- Darren Eels with an April Fool's joke dedicated as a, as a shot across the bow to Charlotte FC. Yeah, it's not a rivalry. Excuse me. But I, I do feel like it's something that will grow into more of a rivalry with the players. We saw a little bit of that enmity there with Alan Franco there at the end. Uh, I do feel like, though, they acquitted themselves well. And the fact that they got that first goal, you really saw the difference in play, I think, from that point forward in the way that Charlotte has handled its business. You can call it a catalyst. It really was a catalyst moment, and we had predicted that was going to be the case. There was so much pressure surrounding getting off the mark with that first goal. Once it went in, I feel like everyone was playing with a whole different level of confidence and belief that they were going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net when they got their opportunities. We've had a bit of a a bump in the road with this match, but before Atlanta United, that match, we had been having several bumps in the road, a lot of bad luck. So we were able to get up for that opportunity and we go back to, again, the fact that this match is at home and it's a Sunday and it's a lunchtime kickoff and hopefully we have lots of people trying to make, you know, their entertainment for the weekend on Sunday. And it's going to make a whole world of difference. And I know for one, I'm very excited to be back in Bank of America Stadium calling uh, this match. As am I. Uh, we continue to entertain your questions on Facebook, Twitch and YouTube at WFNZ. You can also send them to myself at Willie P Style. Send them to Jess at Jess Talks Footy. She's got a post up there on her Twitter as well. If you want to just reply to that post, we'll get your comments in the final segment of our broadcast. But now it's time to learn a little bit about our neighbors to the south, Atlanta United, with their radio broadcast team of Mike Conti and Jason Longshore. Opposition research time on Crown Corner. It's time to bring back the familiar foe that is Atlanta United. But with familiar foes, we bring familiar friends to the table. The broadcast team for 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, Mike Conti and Jason Longshore, join us as we get a little opposition research in this weekend. Gentlemen, good to talk to you again. What's up, y'all? How you doing? So in terms of the way that this past week went for Atlanta United, it looked very similar to what we saw. Theatrics at the end, Jason, and uh, I know that the recent form has been a little bit up and down and a bit of a mixed bag. You get two goals down to 10 men against Montreal, and yet they have three wins on the season. What's the current run of play situation right now for Atlanta? It's still coming together, and I think with the injuries that Atlanta United's had early on, we've seen 20 minutes or so of Luis Araujo. You haven't had one training session at all with Joseph Martinez, with Marcelino Moreno, with Araujo, with Tiago Almada, and now you have more injuries on top of the injuries you had. So I think it is a work in progress for Gonzalo Pineda, and as works in progress go, when you're able to show the character that they've shown in these last three games, with late-game heroics three times in a row, picking up wins and a comeback draw against Montreal. You take it and you run and you keep building. 
you're basically hitting all my questions, Jason, with, with your answers. But Mike, when you talk about these late goals, they seem to be a, a trait right now of this Atlanta United side. Why do you think that is? It's a good question. I mean, I think to Jason's point, it definitely does show a lot of fight, a lot of commitment, a lot of heart, a little bit of good luck maybe as well, uh, to be totally fair. But you make your own luck, right? I mean, if you analyze the the three goals that Atlanta United has scored in stoppage. Let's start with the most recent one, which was off a corner kick at D.C. on Saturday. Marcelino Moreno probably gets away with just a tiny mm. bit of a push off. That's okay. Mm. That uh, happens on know. every set piece. I agree. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if pro referees started calling that consistently, we'd never have a goal off a corner ever in MLS. We'd never have uh, a set piece that actually turns into anything ever again. True. <laughs> you guys saw me, not, not the highest velocity header, but it finds the back of the net. Um, you know, Brooks Lennon, a really masterful direct free kick to salvage the draw against Montreal. Atlanta United playing with 10 men and finding two goals. Atlanta United did not play well for long stretches against Montreal, but they kept fighting. Honestly, I thought the best of the three most recent performances for Atlanta United was against Charlotte. And I thought that was the best of the three games in which Atlanta United has found a late result-producing goal, either to, to get a draw or a win. And, you know, there again, I mean, that's Jake Mulraney just winning a 1v1 against Christian Fuchs to create a shooting lane and beating a goalkeeper who I think played at a very, very high level that day in Kalina. So. Jess, I think it's just a demonstration that this team is fighting. They are absolutely not where they want to be right now. The injuries might make the path to getting to where they want to be a little bit more uh, indirect. But I like the fact that they're averaging two points per match and they haven't played all that well yet. I mean, think about when they do start playing well and they get all their injured players back. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mike mentions the injuries. Jason, uh, Ozzy Alonso out. Mateus Asetu out. Uh, you mentioned Araujo. We've uh, not seen him in recent play. And, of course, the big question mark is Joseph Martinez going down to Pittsburgh to get his knee looked at. Uh, status for the week, obviously, we don't know about Martinez. We don't know about Araujo. Uh, who steps in in the absence of those four very key players? Yeah, with Osvaldo Alonso and Mateus Sosetsu, two central midfielders out, you're fortunate that you've had Santiago Sosa come back, and he's 90 minutes fit now. He hasn't played 90 yet, but he's 90 minutes fit. He's going to have to in Charlotte on Sunday, I would assume. Franco Ibarra is back as a central midfield option. Emerson Heinemann is really close. I don't think he's going to make his debut in Charlotte. It actually wouldn't surprise me if he made his debut with Atlanta United 2 to get some minutes under his belt first before jumping into the first team. But Ibarra gives you something different than Hosechu. He's a ball winner. He's a, 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 he, just, he wins tackles. He wins interceptions. He, he's a pest in that central midfield. He's not as clean on the ball, and, and that's a, a difference you have to deal with. A Marsadich might be the more technical central midfield option there. Up top, you know, you're not going to find another Joseph Martinez. You don't have another forward like that. Nobody does. You've got Ronaldo Cisneros coming in on loan from Chivas. He is here. He's training this week with the team. He has every opportunity to earn that starting spot, as does Jackson Conway, who's had a hat trick with Atlanta United 2 this season, as does Dom Dwyer, who's back from red card suspension and has a goal on the year. I think the, the training sessions this week, that adds another element, I think, of intensity to it, which is a good thing. 
for a team as they're trying to build their identity. You have three strikers who, if Joseph Martinez isn't available on Sunday, you have three strikers who it's pretty much open call right now as to who gets that start. And that's going to raise the intensity level every training session in this week. It feels like just yesterday that we were talking about the first time these two sides faced each other. Mike, in those 90 minutes when Charlotte faced Atlanta United, what do you feel Atlanta United learned about preparing for a side like Charlotte FC? They better take them seriously. That mm-hmm. they're better than their record might indicate. And I know Charlotte's had a setback since playing in Atlanta. Uh, as I told Will earlier this week, Philadelphia is not a team that you want to concede an early goal to. It's going to be a bad day. I do think Charlotte is better than their record indicates, and and th- their needle is pointing up. But I, I think more than anything else, Jess, um, I, I think it revealed some, and this is a good thing for Atlanta United, probably revealed some things that they could go back and study on video and assess. Uh, Atlanta United in their first, four matches of the season really had trouble clearing set pieces and Adam Armour hit Atlanta United on a set piece. Montreal hit Atlanta United on set pieces, Colorado, very threatening on set pieces, Kansas city. The one goal they scored was off a set piece. Atlanta United did a better job defending those set pieces against DC this past weekend. Not perfect. Brandon Heinzeich had a free run towards goal. Steven Birnbaum had a really good chance that he put just wide, but better. They were able to keep the clean sheet because they were a little bit better on set pieces. So, Jess, I think there's going to be a lot of analysis of those Charlotte corners and those Charlotte free kicks going on in the tactics room this week. I wonder if Adam Armour is selected for Charlotte this weekend. I I know he's been in in and out right now as Anton Walks has come back, but I think more than anything else, the novelty now, uh, with this Atlanta Charlotte thing, whatever we want to call it, regicide, I 85 Derby, Call of Wars, whatever. Uh, I think the novelty has now worn off, and Charlotte validated themselves a couple weeks ago as a side that Atlanta United needs to take very seriously. I, I will give this one to Jason because I know that Jason gets a little bit more in the weeds than maybe you do, Mike, in terms of the fan base. But I'll, <laughs> I'll harken back to something that our mutual colleague Mike Bell says, uh, the style makes the fight. It doesn't matter about the result. It matters how the result happens. And from Atlanta fans' perspective, there seems to be a lot of angst and agita with the way these results are happening. Jason, what do you make of the current state of the Atlanta fan base based on the fact that there is a little bit of angst based on the fact that even though there were some positive results, they're not happy about how they're happening. Yeah, it's a little hard to read at times, honestly, because you are not complete right now and you haven't been complete really from day one this season. Personally, I like where Gonzalo Pineda has this team going. I like the direction that they're going. I like the, the idea of how he wants to play. I like his philosophy I'm pleased with where they're going. It's hard to judge right now because you don't have your complete group and you haven't had one training session at all in 2022 with them. That makes a difference. Um, When you win early, I think in a club's history, expectations change. And I think what is expected maybe sometimes isn't real or realistic, especially in situations like what Atlanta's faced this year. But you have three wins you have one loss. You've gotten a win on the road. You take it with where you are right now. And the fan base, I, I, I just, I really don't know what to tell them at the moment 
because you're not going to have a true judge of what Atlanta United will be in 2022 until you get your big pieces healthy. And frankly, we don't know if when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen with now with Joseph Martinez and, and what that timeline could be that's completely unknown. So you have to be able to pivot and adjust and get results in this league however they may come, especially on the road. And that game in D.C. is a prime example. It's a positive to me that they're finding wins in this way as opposed to a negative of not playing perfectly for 90 minutes every time out. Talking about being on the road and talking about fan bases, obviously a switch of scenery this weekend, Mike, on your way to Charlotte, uh, Bank of America Stadium that I'm sure is going to be popping with loyal Charlotte FC fans. What sort of difference do you think that makes going on the road and coming to Charlotte? Well, first of all, I want to find the closest Don Pedro's to the stadium and eat dinner there Saturday night. So that that's first and foremost on my mind. Forget the atmosphere. Yeah, I thought actually, Jess, and you know, Jason, I think, agreed with me. There is really good road support for Charlotte coming down to Atlanta. It's nice that we kind of have a, a drivable pair here in, in very much the same way that Atlanta and Nashville became a very drivable pair. When Nashville played their inaugural match in 2020, I would say conservatively at least twenty to 25,000 people there were Atlanta supporters. I don't think it's going to be quite that lopsided on Sunday because everything I've seen in the first couple home matches that you guys have had up in Charlotte is that uh, they've been close to, if not right at, capacity. But I, I believe me, the 17s are going to find ways to get tickets. And what I, I, hope, I hope we see, and I suspect we will, is that um, – it's a peaceful, respectful 90 minutes. And honestly, from this Atlantans perspective, I have a lot of respect for the way Charlotte plays, to be totally honest with you. I, they don't play negative soccer. They came in here to Atlanta, stood toe-to-toe with Atlanta United and produced a very entertaining match. And I think the fans that make the trip up I-85 on Sunday are going to be very entertained with what they see again. But, you know, here in Atlanta, we're at the end of spring break. Masters week, weather's supposed to be beautiful. It's going to be a lot of Georgia tags, I think, on I-85 in South Carolina and North Carolina this weekend. I don't want people to think that we are just way too nice to you guys. Uh, this is a, a real great friendship that we all have, the four of us. Uh, it, we will be uh, put that on hold for Sunday just because of the fact that uh, I think we all want our respective sides to win. But uh, wish you guys best of luck every Sunday after this or Saturday after this. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at Bank of America on Sunday. Looking forward to it. See you, Jess. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Those guys are funny. funny. (laughs) Hey, they're funny when things are going well for them. We'll see how they're feeling on uh, Sunday if things go in another direction. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate if, you know, we got a couple of goals early and just were able to kind of cruise and, you know, maybe maybe really step on their throats. No, I mean, those guys are good. But I know you you took some umbrage with uh, with what they said about the push inside the net. Look, I think I love Jason and Mike and listen, we know how it is to represent a club. We're always going to try and spin things in in a favorable way. But when I watch that goal, it's not just a little shoulder barge or a 50-50 that you see at corners. It's a full-on extended arm push that leaves the guy going flying. Like, uh, I think that considering we live in an era of VAR, I was very surprised that it didn't get looked at potentially because of the timing of the goal. It's one of those things where 
do you want to end up wiping it off that late? I, I don't know. But what's VAR there for if it's not to step in into moments like that, that to me well, look like a clear and obvious foul? And with how our luck's gone, I feel like it would have gone against us. I hate to, I hate to yeah. be the woe is me. And, he, and it's weird because it, watching it on the DC TV copy, you know, they thought that there was a whistle. They could have sworn they heard a whistle. So Because it looked like the goalkeeper didn't even react, right? Like they exactly. mentioned it was a soft header. Uh, if there's one thing that I can say about that, though, what do you get taught since you're in a kid in school, right? Play, Play to, to the, the whistle. whistle. So the whistle. I'm sorry. If you're a goalkeeper and you're pulling your hands away or not going for something, then, yeah. You I was about to say, to I was about to say your your goalkeeper union uh, plaudits were uh, somewhat questionable. Uh, my card's yeah. getting removed. I'm worried. I think my uh, GKU card may be getting removed. Shortly. After what you, after what you said about uh, Kalina in the open, uh, I think I think this is you trying to earn it back. Is it not? <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, but you know, uh, Kalina's we, still a hero. Still a he hero. Is, he definitely but, is. You know, and, we will uh, make I, mistakes. I'm wondering when those goalkeeper uh, kits will get in here to the uh, the team store. We hope that they're there by this weekend. Uh, we do have a couple pieces of news to bring you uh, from uh, Alex Andrea of the Charlotte Observer. Uh, she has broken that apparently uh, Jalen Lindsay is a little bit richer, uh, has himself a brand new contract through 2024 with an option for 2025. That was broken by the Charlotte Observer uh, earlier today. So fantastic stuff for Jalen. And uh, it looks like Gabe Oberton, who spent a lot of time with Charlotte FC in the preseason, uh, is at training today. We don't know what that necessarily means for him, but maybe that means he's got a green card. But he's at least at Matthews Sportplex uh, for uh, today's training session. Don't know if he's on the field or not, but that was shared by our good friend, uh, Top Ben Jorge Gonzalez. So uh, we'll see whether or not uh, that means he could join the side. I know that the international spot was something they were kind of working on with him. They don't necessarily have one. So they were trying to see if they could maybe uh, slide him in there with a green card or something. But that would be a nice little reinforcement for Charlotte FC, don't you think? Look, we're really impressed with him in preseason. He was a, a live wire when it came to getting involved in the action. He's also a player with a lot of experience. I think that it would be great if we can work it out. Um, there are a lot of people that are very disappointed that he didn't sign. And as for Jalen Lindsay, as Zoran Kaneta said, he's a player that really impressed. We weren't so sure about that. Looks like we had a little, <laughs> little, little glitch there. Whoops. <laughs> I think we should just throw it to it, Will. It's Will's birthday, everybody. It's Will's birthday and my good friend moment of magic in let's let's listen to the moments of magic from uh the guys at mac attack let's go will let's do it sorry i'm will pelagic i have like a deathly terrifying fear of perpetual hiccups you're talking to the sauce boss here get my name out of your mouth foul on charlotte we wow pb and j is Derek jeter i'm gonna sit there and just be aroused by kansas getting wrecked by coastal carolina four six eight who do we appreciate not you crab pigs and soccer high school was traumatizing for willie pig i do the taquitos don't make fun of my koozies i was riding him hard like it was bad it's lasting longer than four hours and you are not seeking medical attention <laughs> go to the cupcake factory mac i'm not one of these guys who is you know aroused by tiger and how sounds of the panthers his forward progress was impeded i want meat i'm a sausage if they figure out a way to limit Christian McCaffrey's touches to below 20, it'd be like the first time I saw a woman naked. That is justice! That's funny. 
That's funny. That's good stuff. Can we confirm oh, that's the first time you heard it? it I, for good. anyone that's listening to audio only, Willie P has a red little glow to his cheeks right now. He is blushing with pure adoration for himself and his marvelous sound bites that he can create. That's that, that was good. Thanks to the guys at the Mac Attack for doing that. Uh, we transition drastically. I don't know how we go from that. But uh, we do want to at least give an opportunity for our supporter sections to be recognized, as we usually do at this time this week. We check in on the fine folks of the Queen's Firm. Dave Dow joins us for our supporter spotlight. Here on Crown Corner every week, we like to give a spotlight to the great supporters of Charlotte FC and the supporters groups in particular, it's time to talk to the folks from the Queen's Firm. And Dave Dow joins us, one of the co-founders and co-presidents of the Queen's Firm. He joins us here on Crown Corner. Dave, thank you so much for taking some time. And uh, what have you thought of the season so far, six games in? Uh, so far, six games in. We're uh, competing with the teams that we're supposed to compete with, uh, struggling with ones that we're supposed to struggle with, and uh, making our mark with the ones that uh, we're supposed to be beating. How do you feel about the fan perspective? What are you excited about in terms of the fact they've got a home game coming up? Uh, the excitement for the fan base has been amazing, especially in the support section. Um, all the supporters groups are doing an amazing job establishing the culture and the, uh, the vibe that we want to have every weekend. You guys were among the forefront of some of the first groups to really kind of get started with this club, especially when the advent happened. What have you seen develop over the course of the last couple of years with the fans and, and how they've taken to this club ever since we found out we were getting a club uh, in late December 2019? Yeah, uh, starting in 2017 with the Marcus Smith bid was really rough, a lot of struggles. A lot of people saying, oh, we don't need MLS. Charlotte's not at a soccer town. Um, and it's kind of nice seeing everybody join that vision that you had a long time ago. You know, um, Charlotte is a global city. We have a massive European uh, employment base here between Germany and England. So it was just inevitable that we would you know, with Tepper, we would get the team and people would rally around the club. What do you feel sets the Queen's Firm apart from other supporters groups? What is your niche, so to say? Our niche is we've really focused on uh, the family aspect of it. Uh, we uh, target more of the outside of the supporters group section that uh, we can build something that, you know, uh, years down, those children and those families will carry on the Queen's Firm and carry on all the traditions and uh, legacies that we'll be building with Charlotte FC. I know that uh, I've had a chance to get, you know, beers with you guys at a couple of the uh, the chant practice events. Uh, I know we were out over at, at OMB a couple of weeks ago and uh, and obviously I've seen your parties over at Dilworth Neighborhood Grill. Uh, how can folks get involved with the Queen's Firm and not only being a part of that, but also uh, going where you guys are when it comes to the games and the watch parties and that? Uh, we're everywhere. All the other groups are at as far as game day. Um, 
you know, we have our tent and area for the tailgate. Um, as far as getting involved with us, you just come say hi. Um, that's always the best way to start. Uh, we have some really great people on our board that um, it's a really diverse group. Uh, everybody knows Sean off of Twitter. Um, <laughs> we have Nancy and Alicia that do a really great job of promoting the Queens firm. And Those are my ladies. They, I love Nancy and Alicia. <laughs> yeah, they do a great job. I love them to death. But they do a really good job of building that family culture. And as the season's going on, um, you know, two years ago, it was the same three people sitting around the table going, man, when is this going to happen? And, you know, last week for Philadelphia, we probably had our biggest turnout of a, of a watch party. Awesome. About, about 40 people in the same night that it was a uh, Duke and UNC. I mean, um, that says a lot in this town. Love um, that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're part of another sports group and you just want to pop into Dilworth and have some good food and some good camaraderie, you know, we're, we're open to everybody. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We were talking a little bit off air about the charitable efforts that you guys have done, just finished up a project last weekend. Can you tell us a little bit about the project uh, that you were doing, giving back to your community? Yeah, our uh, social media uh, guy is uh, Jonathan Lee, and he works with the immigration, the immigrant community here in Charlotte, uh, really involved with that part of uh, town. And we worked with the Refugee Support Center, helping them move locations into a new area. And we'll be supporting that throughout the year and looking for other opportunities to help the community get the brand out um, and just make Charlotte a better place to live. Love that you guys lead by example in your community. Fantastic. Uh, you can find them online at thequeensfirm.com and also wherever you are on social media as well, at Queens Firm as well. And as you as you mentioned, you can find them at Dilworth Neighborhood Grill for the visiting game watch parties and part of the supporters' tailgates on McNinch and Moorhead for every home game. Dave Dowell of the Queens Firm, thank you so much for the time, as always, pal, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday at the game. Awesome. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the call every weekend. As Dave Dow from the Queens Firm, appreciate them joining us. Appreciate all of our supporters groups here with Charlotte FC. Real quick, it's time for our burning questions. Did want to get this one in from Jay Forrest, who asks the Josviak ETA and what position will he play? Well, we heard earlier in the show from Zoran Cornetta that he will be here this week, said it was ambitious to think that uh, he might be ready for selection this weekend. Don't know if that's a little gamesmanship from Big Z or not. I don't know, but... I'm just repeating what he told us, so you never know. Uh, I do feel like left wing is probably his best position naturally. Uh, we know that Miguel is very much a fan of wingers, but we do know that the two-striker look is where Carol Svidersky's look best, so I'd be very curious to see how he ends up lining this up, Jess. I agree, Will. I think it all depends on the formation that we pick, where he can slot in, but one of the things we've noticed about a lot of the players that we've recruited is that they are diverse in their ability to slot in in different positions so hopefully his talent is in lots of positions so that he can fill whatever role Miguel and Ramirez requests of him what is our last burning question that we have for you oh of course what are the thoughts of USA England being in the same World Cup group 
I like it. I think it's a good draw. I was I was embracing it. I thought that was going to happen with USA and England. I, I like our chances. And I'm, I'm it's paining me to have to root against Harry Kane for one game. I hope I don't have to root against my heritage country of Ukraine if they end up making it through the uh, European playoff. But uh, I'm ready, Jess. Bring it. I think it's going to make for a lot of very good content. I will shout out everybody that asked me whether it would be a difficult decision for who I would support. The uh, They don't answer, know you very well. They do. They clearly don't know me. Yes, it, it is not a difficult decision. I like living in America, but when it comes to my soccer teams, I don't play. So uh, England all the way. One quick one to touch on that. Also, how brilliant that Qatar got drawn with Ecuador. I thought that was that's fantastic for Miguel and how Ramirez as well. So that's going to be That'd a fun be one cool. to watch as well. Miguel said it's going to be the first time he goes to a uh, a World Cup as a spectator. So he's very much looking forward to that. He'll be at that first contest with Qatar and Ecuador. He says he's got more love for Ecuador than he does his own country of Spain just because of, of how much time he spent there and the players that he has recruited. Uh, our broadcast on Sunday is on WBT in Charlotte and also across the Charlotte FC radio network. We encourage you to find out, uh, find all the network uh, spots that we can be at uh, Myrtle Beach, Greenville, Lynchburg, Statesville, Rocky Mount. We appreciate uh, all you guys across the network. Also, Raleigh, uh, fantastic stuff from uh, all of them promoting our work and, and making sure that you can hear Charlotte FC wherever you might be in the Carolinas. We're on WBT in Charlotte this week. One o'clock, our pregame begins. One thirty is the kick time. I want to thank my best friend forever, Roberto, for giving me this brand new thing for my birthday, which is really cool. Uh, Tanner makes all these fantastic uh, 3D print things that are uh, desk ornaments. It's a fantastic thing for that. Uh, final thought, Jess, for the weekend. You know, just that I'm going to save that montage forever. I'm looking forward to my birthday and what comes in September. Oh, they'll be fun. They'll be, you know, those guys at Mac Attack will definitely put something together for you in September. I guarantee you. Know what? You know, you know what? And <laughs> and by the way, if you are listening in Charlotte, um, Friday they will be trying Marmite for the first time on the Mac Attack. You and I'll too. Be doing that. Will I? Will I have yes. to? Do I have to? I the think Marmite I have to boss. put it on. We have to put it on uh, on Ritz crackers because I don't think we'll be able to get toast going in the studio. That that's a fire hazard, and you know those guys are uh, are a little bit weird with the fire. But uh, thanks again to our producer Matt Hogan again a little bit under the weather. We hope he's feeling better. Uh, thank you to Liz for for you for watching and listening. We'll talk to you on Sunday, and we'll also talk to you next week here on Crown Corner.